Is there anything more beautiful than the way the bride and a groom look at each other on their wedding day? One of the great privileges of being a priest is, of course, we get a front row seat at weddings to the interaction of bride and groom, and especially to see the way that they look at each other. We're normally standing right next to the groom when the bride comes down the aisle, and it's just such a great thing to watch the bridegroom witness his bride. And I always tell guys, guys, if you're especially the most you know, macho guys, it is a very acceptable and good thing to cry when you see your bride coming down the aisle. It's a wonderful thing. And yet to see her look back at him, and oftentimes, again, depending on the configuration of the church, sometimes the priest is the only one who gets to watch the couple throughout the wedding. And just the little glances, it's not just those big things, it's the little ways in which they look at each other. And it's a beautiful thing, too, because in, as a priest you do marriage preparation, and you realize that with, for most, in fact, all couples, that they love that person so much that they desire to spend their life with, per, with the same person who they could simultaneously yell at, cry with, and laugh with. Because that look of love, especially the love on a wedding day, is broad and wide. It sees the other person not as one thing, but as all things. As a spouse, as a parent, as a friend as someone to grow old with, as someone to laugh with, as, someone, as a shoulder to cry on. When we look with the eyes of love, our vision broadens. And it allows us to see all things, but to prioritize love. And over time, that changes us. Because the look of a bride and, his, and her uh, groom on their wedding day should be the way in which they look at each other for all time. It should grow even more beautiful. Right after I was ordained, I was celebrating Mass in a nursing home. And after Mass, I was greeting the people. And this little old lady comes up to me and she was talking with me about I have no idea what. But she was a cute little old lady, so I was all in. And this old fella was right behind her on his walker. And I'm talking with her, and he kind of sidles up alongside, and he had these huge hearing aids in, and he shouts at me. He says, Father, and he puts his hand on her hand. This is my bride of 72 years. And then he looks on her with the greatest love I've ever seen in my entire life, and she looks on him. And I thought in that moment, I was, I was totally transfixed by this. It was so beautiful. But as I thought about it later, I thought, Wow. There's no one in the world who has hurt the other person more than they have each other, and yet they're so madly in love. Because the eyes of love, again, they allow us to see beyond. But the eyes of sin, the eyes of this world, they focus on the one thing. The eyes of a broken heart, the eyes of envy, of wrath, of division, they look on another person or a group of people for the one area where they're wrong. They see that smart mouth or that smart comment or that hurtful comment or that one thing that they did so many years or so many days ago. They see that person only through the lens of that particular thing. We don't put when we're in this wrathful, hateful, angry moment of our life, we see very narrowly, we see very tightly. That's not what Jesus desires for us. He desires for us to have a life where we keep our eyes transfixed on Him, 
where our hearts are lifted up to Him. And as a result, we start to see all things in a new way. Because we have to change the way that we look at the world and at people. Because we are sinners. And we look at the wrong things and we look at people in the wrong ways. We see people as the worst of what they are. Or we have prejudices against them because of the way they look. Or because of the accent that they have. And what the Lord is inviting us into is something more wonderful than we can possibly ever imagine. But we have to acknowledge that we don't look well upon others at times. If we don't do this, we can't move forward. But we have to acknowledge that my vision is narrowed. And here's an example of that. This afternoon, I went to the women's basketball game. And I'm sitting there at halftime. And I'm sitting there talking with the, parent, with the father of one of, our, one of our, your fellow students. And all of a sudden, I look over to the right, and there's an entire row of like 10 rows of students, and almost every single student is doing what? Buried in their phone. Now, we think, okay, from time to time, we have to check our emails and text messages. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But how often do we limit the way we view the world through this little screen? How often do we mediate all of our relationships through a screen? And in so doing, we narrow the way that we look at people. A good rule of thumb, just sidebar, never argue via text message. Because how do we know what the other person is thinking or feeling in that moment? So we need to spend less time looking at screens and more time looking into each other's eyes. And spending time with each other, not only looking into each other's eyes, but exploring each other's hearts. Building deep and abiding relationships, sharing our hearts with each other. And what does that require? It requires a long gaze back and forth, building trust, building vulnerability, building intimacy by staring at each other, by choosing to waste time with each other. But we're not just limited in terms of narrowing our view to a particular screen. One of the things we need to address in our world right now, because it is a scourge, is the scourge of pornography. Pornography warps and destroys the way that you look at other people. One of the most beautiful things that we can do as a human being, of course in right relationship, is diminish to something that is there simply to provoke, simply as something to arouse. It changes not only the way in which we look at each other in a romantic sense, it changes the way in which we look at ourselves. We start to see ourselves not as this beautiful, wonderful gathering of so many things and experiences and emotions. We start to look at ourselves in what we bring to other people and how we can provoke and entice other people. And we start to see them in that same way. The, the statistics on this, on pornography use in particular, are staggering. And it can feel at times, there's a reality too, so if you're feeling you're lost and you're trapped in this, you're known and you're loved. I'm speaking to you, I hope, with a father's heart. It's addictive. But we need to take those steps to start gazing upon things in the right way. And this Advent season is a chance for us to start looking at the world and each other and Jesus in the right way. We need to start gazing upon our own hearts and our own lives with the eyes of the Lord.
What in my life needs to change? Where am I falling short of the measure of Christ's love, which is the cross? Where am I selfish and proud? And in so doing, this is the crazy part, when we start to look into our life with the eyes of the Lord and invite Him in there, instead of looking at our lives as terrible and all these things that we have to do because God tells us to and that's not fair, we actually start to expand the way in which we can love each other. When I became a Dominican, everyone thought that this was this great loss. You're never going to get married. You're never going to have kids. That's true. That's a sacrifice. It's real. It's not easy. It's incredibly hard. At the same time, because of that, if I look at it with, oh, this is the worst thing. I have to do this because I want to be a priest. I would be diminished. I'd be miserable. But when I look at it as an opportunity to be a spiritual father to all of you, You turn to me and you say, Father, not because of anything that I have done, but because of Jesus' love for me and because of my love for you. And that change of heart is what Jesus allows for each and every one of us to look at those areas of our life, especially where we are weak or the world tells us that we are deprived and to see it with an open mind and an open heart and something that deepens and enriches and expands. St. Paul so beautifully says it in, our, our, in the second reading. He says to this Corinthian community, grace and peace to you. You're so wonderful. I love you so much. If we go back historically, what was going on in Corinth? It was a disaster. The church was a mess. If you read the first letter of the Corinthians, you'd be shocked. They were immersed in all sorts of horrible, terrible things. And yet St. Paul looks on them with the love of the Father. He looks on them as his beloved children. He looks and he says, yes, these are the honest things, these are the broken things, but he looks on them because he he loves them and it deepens them. And so not only are we able to change the way in which we look at ourselves, we're able to change the way in which we look upon each other. But brothers and sisters, it starts with the gaze upon which we place the Lord and allow him to look upon us. We need to invite the loving gaze of Jesus into our life each and every day. He is your Savior. He suffered and died and rose from the dead for you individually. Let Him love you and love Him in return. Come and spend time with Jesus in adoration. Spend time in prayer by looking, maybe not with your physical eyes, but with the eyes of your heart to the God who loves you and desires to lift you up and to change you. But not only spend time looking at the Lord, spend time looking at each other. And I mean really looking at each other. Looking into your hearts, into your wounds, into your brokenness, into your families, into your relationships, and looking with the eyes of Jesus, the eyes of Jesus that come from our own look upon Jesus. So when Jesus tells us, look for me, watch for me, he's inviting us for something that will not only change you and me forever, but it will also allow us to bring that love of Jesus to the people in our lives so that when we gaze upon them, we see Jesus in them and they see Jesus in us. Next Sunday, Father Justice turns 91 years old. If you can imagine that, he'll be 91 years old next Sunday. If you've ever looked that man in the eyes, you know what it, knows, you know what it means to be loved. And where does that come from? It's a loving gaze upon the Lord each and every day and then transforming your heart to gaze upon others. 
Watch for Jesus. Look for him. And then look for Jesus in each other and with each other.